How's everybody today? Hopefully you're well. We're here. I, I, I am feeling good today. Yeah, I am. That's, that's good for me. Anyway, how would you like it if, uh, how much would you love it if you could uh, amaze Jesus? Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to amaze Jesus? It almost seems, some of us when I say that probably think, well, that's, how do you amaze God? Like, how do you amaze Jesus? That's impossible. God's so humongous and we're not, and there's no way to amaze Jesus. Uh, but I want to talk to you for a minute, and then um, I want to talk to you for several minutes, but, but for briefly, I want to talk to you about the fact that there are two places in Scripture uh, where the, the Scripture says that Jesus was amazed. So Jesus was amazed. Um, and it's really interesting because they're almost, it's like a juxtaposition of two different things. Um, I want to talk to you about the substance of hope. The substance of hope in the scripture we've already started to read. We're going to be camping on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 8. Uh, and it starts out by saying, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So there is a substance to our hope. So we've been talking in this whole series about the underlying theme has been hope. Uh, how do we live into the hope that God has given us? And I want to talk to you about uh, the substance piece of hope, that there is this tangible piece, even with things that are unseen, and the scripture tells us that that is faith. Back to Jesus being amazed, there's two different places where Jesus is amazed. Um, and the first one that we see is in Mark chapter 6, uh, specifically in verse 5 and 6, but the bigger story is about Jesus goes back uh, to his hometown. Now, at this point, he's already got miracles going on. He's, he's started his ministry. There's people being healed. When he's speaking, it's with authority and power. People are noticing these great things. And at this point, in Mark chapter 6, he goes back to his hometown, the scripture says. He begins to speak. And again, they say this is somebody that's speaking with authority, but all of the locals, all of the people that he kind of grew up with, start to look at each other and say, there's no way that this is the same guy that grew up among us. I mean, this, there's no way. And this is what the scripture says in 6, 5 and 6. It says, and he could not do any miracles there, meaning Jesus, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So the first place that we see Jesus amazed is at the lack of faith of a group of people that he has clearly communicated powerful and profound things to, or they have seen it with their own eyes, they've experienced it. The second time that we see Jesus being amazed by people is in the book of Luke chapter 7. And in this story, the bigger story is that there's this soldier, he's, he's uh, the leader of a Roman guard, and he comes to Jesus, and he's a centurion, and he says, my servant is sick. And he approaches Jesus, and for all intents and purposes, what we know is he is someone who has not even been serving God, but he's been observing what Jesus is doing. And he sees the profound power and impact that Jesus is having on everyone's life, and he essentially says, look, 
The things that he's doing are connected to what my needs are and connected to what I want my life to look like. So he approaches Jesus and says, listen, my servant is sick. Is there any way that you could help me with this problem that I have? I really care for my servant. So Jesus looks at him, actually offers kind of insinuates that he would go to his home and the soldier says, the centurion says, no, 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 you don't need to come to my home. Just say the word because as a soldier and as a leader, I understand that all I need to do is say the word and what I say kind of gets lived out by other people. So just say the word and I trust that whatever you want to do for my servant will be done. In the scripture, we pick it up in verse 8, and it says, For I myself am a man under authority, centurion speaking, with soldiers that are under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one to come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, verse 9, he was amazed. Everyone say amazed. He was amazed at him, and he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I would contend that we either are people on this day or in this season of our lives, we are either people that have great faith or we are people that lack faith. The question, I think, to start really our conversation out with is, Uh, When you consider your own life and the season you're in, in this moment, would Jesus, if he were before you, would he say, man, your faith amazes me, and why would it amaze him? Would your faith amaze Jesus more because of your great faith or your lack of faith on this day? And that's what I want to get into a little bit today. So Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the words were framed, the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are not seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not even see death. He was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that pleased God. In other words, he had an amazing faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear. There was a substance to Noah's faith, even though he wasn't seeing things outwardly yet. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Just a side note, 
Abraham was a fairly old person, and not by our standards, when this whole journey started in his life. And by faith, he left what was known to him and headed out. The first principle of faith that I want to mention to you and talk to you about and kind of let ruminate with all of us today when it comes to uh, this whole issue of faith being a substance of the things that we hope for, is to understand that faith has no guarantees. I know you know that. I know we all know that, but I think we have to remind one another of it. Faith has no guarantees. It's better sometimes. It feels like it's better to have guarantees, doesn't it? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. In other words, we like to have evidence, but the moment that we have evidence of what we're invited into, it moves out of the realm of faith. Faith is that thing that kind of pays attention to what we're hoping for. Hope, I remember when I was in sixth grade, um, our art teacher, uh, she she, uh, had us do a project at one point. She asked us to all bring in a bar of soap. And I was sure from uh, what went on at our house, I thought, well, maybe she's going to use this to wash out our mouths if any of us swear. But no, that wasn't her intent. It was like, we're going to make these into soap sculptures. So the first thing she did is she laid out a bunch of, um, bunch of little pictures, drawings of, um, of different animals and different sorts of things and said, you choose what you want. And um, you'll see here this picture was similar to this pattern. This is the dog. I picked out a dog. And a hope is like this pattern. Hope is like a blueprint in our soul. Hope is the picture. Even though we don't see it with our eyes, we have this hope for something. You walked in here with hopes for some things to occur in your life. So you've got a picture, even though it's unseen, it's seen in your interiority. Do you understand? Then you took, I, we took the bar of soap, which is kind of the substance of where we were going to try to get to. Faith is the substance. Faith is the vehicle that carries you to create the thing that God's inviting you to. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The hope is the picture. Now, here's a picture of my carving in sixth grade. <laughs> Notice, uh, three inches, it was dial. Anyway, in my sixth grade brain, it looked just like that. I do sadly report that I took my faith substance home. It was my hope to be proud in the midst of my family, and one of my brothers used it in the next time he got in the tub. So you get this substance is your faith. You take what is seen in your spirit, what you hope for, with no guarantee, and you begin this beautiful process of moving toward the pattern that is spoken to in your spirit. It's kind of like we're, we're the kind of people that we, we're no different than we were in third grade in some ways, right? In third grade... You might have liked the, the boy or the girl that was in your classroom, so you would sketch out that little note that everybody uh, sketches out, do you like me, or some sort of statement like that, you know, 
Uh, do you want to go out? Do you want to go steady? Do you want to hang out? Whatever. Yes. It was good to get a yes. No. No wasn't actually so bad because at least you knew it was a no, right? It was still a guarantee. It's a guaranteed no. But maybe. Shouldn't have even put that box in there. Because there's so much mystery with maybe, right? There's no guarantee with maybe. So when God invites us to a place of faith, he invites us to a place of maybe. He invites us to a place of, I've given you a hope. I'm inviting you to live into amazing faith. And I want you to trust me. And who knows what ultimately this is going to look like when you get on the other side of it. See, the, the issue when it comes to faith and our struggle with it is in many ways we're trained to control, control our lives, be in control. In some areas it's important to be in control, right? Disciplined. But then when it comes to this issue of faith, we still want control. And that's where it becomes hard. We want to keep control of the situation. But the truth is, is you can't have faith and control at the same time. You literally have to say, I am going to let go of my control. I'm going to trust God here. In the Old Testament, there's a, there's a story of Joshua. He's leading the people of Israel toward the promised land. They come up to the River Jordan, and the scripture says that at that point, uh, God promises them that as they, as they go across the Jordan, that the waters will part. But it will not part until somebody steps in the water, not until the priests get into the water, the raging waters that certainly would have created fear in them, that, that it would just push them away. But it's a common story in Scripture. It's a common story in your life and mine, is we've got to let go of control. We just have to trust and say, God, I, I sense you're inviting me to this, and I'm going to step in. You remember Peter when he jumps out of the boat. He has to make a decision. Jesus is walking on the water. He has to make this really kind of life and death decision as far as he's concerned that I'm going to step out of this boat and possibly drown trying to walk across to Jesus. You remember Moses. How would you like to be Moses? To be told by God, invited by God, I want you to stand in front of Pharaoh and all I'm giving you is a staff. And you just lift that thing up. No guarantee, just trust me. Stand in front of the most powerful person on earth. And when you lift that up, I'll take over from there. But you've got to stand in front of them. And you've got to lift up the staff. You remember Esther, some of you, or many of you, maybe if all of you. Esther, inspired by God, by the hope that she has that her people would be free, and she knows that it's her prophetic invitation, her prophetic purpose, her prophetic destiny to be the one that would stand before the king at the risk of her life, she walks into this room because, see, faith cannot be something that we control. 
faith and control do not go together. We have to let go of that and kind of lean into our fear. The second principle that we see in the scripture uh, here in Hebrews 11 is the principle of playing it safe just isn't always safe. We think that by just holding our cards tightly that that's the safe thing to do. It's interesting, there's a new study out that was uh, put out by Harvard and the University of Indiana just a few weeks ago, actually, and it's kind of a pretty... um, well-known fact at this point that the church in the United States has kind of been on the decline numerically and overall it seems like people are, their faith is shifting. But this study was remarkable because they kind of dug into those numbers. And what the numbers that they have seen and the statistics that they have seen is what's really happening isn't that there's like this big exodus from faith, there's actually growth happening in those that are really leaning into their faith. The kind of people they described that they had a bunch of different things, things like people that pray every day, people that consistently are committed to a local church, people that would say they're financially committed to their faith, and all of those kinds of things. They said the the drastic reduction are the people that are kind of nominal in their faith, kind of consumeristic. Those folks that their faith isn't really central to their life, they're walking away. Because if you live that kind of faith, which really is not a great faith, Sooner or later, you're just going to get tired of the safe and not-so-safe results. So living a safe faith is really an oxymoron, and sooner or later, you're just going to quit because it will have no impact on your life. You begin to honestly look and say, this isn't making any sense to me. It's not changing my life. Erwin McManus says this, he says, if you're not where you want to be, why do you keep choosing to stay where you are? Hebrews 11:6 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, when we simply live our life by playing it safe, we are amazing God in all of the wrong, wrong ways. Reminds me of this pastor, uh, this woman came to him at one point that was in his congregation and she came to him, she said, Pastor, I'm so concerned. My husband told me that if I keep coming to this church, he's going to kill me. And the pastor looked at her and he said, you know, have faith, uh, sister, just have faith and trust in God and God's going to take care of you. He'll protect you. She came back a few weeks later. She said, Pastor, my my husband is reminding me that if I keep coming to this church that he's going to kill me. The pastor again told her, he says, you know, have faith, sister. Trust God. Believe in him. You can trust him to protect you. She comes back a third time. Pastor, my husband says if I keep coming to this church that he's going to kill me. And uh, the pastor says, you know, sister, Let's just, let me just reassure you, have faith, trust God, believe in God, he will protect you. A few weeks later, she comes back, she says, Pastor, my husband told me if I keep coming to this church, he's going to kill you. And the pastor said, well, sister, maybe this time that you check out that church on the other side of town and see how that goes for you. See, faith is easy for you to pick it out for me, and faith is easy for me to say what you need to do. But the invitation is for us 
to step into faith on our own, to take faith action of our own. There really is, are these moments where you've got to step over off the cliff. Now, they're not always standing before, as a matter of fact, most of the time it's not standing before Pharaoh, right? Most of the time it's just taking that step, but it can feel very much like I'm stepping off of a cliff. Years ago we were in Tobermory, Canada, and um, they had the, it's just beautiful. If you ever get a chance in the Bruce Peninsula, it's really rustic, no commercial stuff around, just an amazing uh, Canadian national park and all kinds of hiking, and just the scenery's gorgeous. It's on Lake Huron, and you really don't even feel like you're in Lake Huron. It's um, just a beautiful spot. If you're a camper, that's a great spot for you to go. Anyway, we were there with our kids, um, and... They had these cliffs on the shores at one point on Lake Huron, and um, the cliffs went up, I don't know, I would say 100 feet or so, but there would be these different ledges on the cliff, and the water would be like 50 feet deep straight down, but you could see the rocks, the huge boulders. It looked like it was two feet deep, but it was really deep. The water was really deep, but it was so crystal clear that it just, it, it, was, it was remarkable. Anyway, um, Ian, our, our one son, Ian would, was going up, and he, he saw other people jumping off of this cliff. And he just said, I want to do that. And we all looked at each other like, well, everybody else is kind of swimming out. And, um, but I, I, I could only imagine, because I didn't do it, when he went up 50, 60, 70 feet, imagine this five, six stories high, disobeying your mother, <laughs> and that moment where you have to step off the cliff and the feeling that must come with that. The, the, the fear, but then the exhilaration of that. We only experience it one way, and that's to step off. That's to step away from the guaranteed life. That's to realize the life that we're called to is not necessarily safe. Question. If Jesus were removed from your life, would it change anything? Other than maybe give you a couple of hours a month, maybe, because you weren't at church, and maybe an extra few bucks because you didn't have to put into an offering. If Jesus were removed from your life, what difference would it make? See, faith is not safe. Faith calls something out of us. It draws us to hope. It causes us to lean into the things that are not always safe, not always easy. In some ways, they seem nonsensical to the world. But it would make a big difference if Jesus weren't a part of our life, if we're leaning into faith. Because he is our hope, right? The last thing we see in the scripture here is in Hebrews 8, and it's just this invitation 
to step into destiny. Which means at times we have to step from security. Hope draws us to who we were created to be. Hope and then the vehicle of faith is what moves us into what God has designed each one of us to be. The designer of your life, the creator of your life, the one that spoke you into existence. Whoever creates the thing is the one that has, has spoken meaning and purpose and power and life over the thing, right? If a person creates a chair, they, they, they create it, they build it, and they, they have in their mind a certain purpose for that chair in the same way God saw you, created you, gave you gifts and talents and, and abilities, and he spoke that into existence. Then he puts hopes in our lives and, and desires that we have and then gives us this vehicle of faith and says, this is the substance that will get you into living your destiny before me. You can live in fullness by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. So the hope is Abraham's inheritance. He's called to that inheritance. He senses that inheritance, but he realizes that there's an invitation to the inheritance that pulls him away from his security. And he went out and he didn't know where he was going. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, what the heck? God, what, what are you inviting me to? Some of you are wondering what, how you ever ended up in Marshall or Battle Creek, Calhoun County. It's hope. Draws. Invites. See, what I found is as long as we have a contingency plan... That's usually where we'll end up. As long as we have like that, that safety net plan, we'll ultimately end up there. Remember when the church was first started, um, I, had, I had basically retired from my electrical position in the Detroit area, but when I did, when I left the position, um, I was told by, by the, one of the vice presidents of the company, he said, listen, this is not our policy. It was a large international company. He says, this isn't our policy, but we really have loved you being a part of the company. And we want you to know that you're just getting a leave of absence. You can cut, we're leaving your position open. You can come back anytime. And I'll never forget, we had only been out here for a couple of months. And I was praying one day in uh, our boy's bedroom. And God began to speak to me and he said, you have got to let go of that safety plan. Because the sense up until that point was always, this is a step of faith, but hey, if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to that, which actually paid an awful lot more. Anyway, and God spoke clearly to me. And I think that it's important for us to understand that sometimes those contingency plans are the thing that keep us from fullness. It keeps us from really moving into the hope that we have, leaning in, being fully home, at home in the things that God has called us to. I love that Abraham just says, I'm going and I don't even know where I'm going. 
I'm giving this up, I'm letting this go, I'm moving on, and I'm not even sure what that is. The crazy thing about all of this is when we talk about faith in the things that God has invited us to, all of us that are certainly Christ followers, maybe all of us in this room, even if we're not a Christ follower, would say, gosh, I think God could be trusted at a certain level. Some of us would say, I think God could be trusted more than anybody. Maybe most of us would say that. But then when the rubber meets the road, this is so hard at times, isn't it? It's almost like those of you that are old enough, when there used to be the let's make a deal, you know, there were the three doors at the end of it, and you could trade in your prize for maybe a chance at the grand prize, right? Well, in this situation, we know what the grand prize is. The grand prize is just go toward your hope. The Cadillac is there, so to speak, not really the Cadillac, but what God is inviting you to is there but you got to give up this other stuff. you got to exchange it for the grand prize. So I don't know how this plays out for you. I know that when I'm in a conversation like this and I'm listening, I, I know that there are things that start to go through my mind and my heart right away. I don't know. For some of us, maybe it's we need to live in a more healthy fashion than we are. Maybe we need to rest better. Maybe for some of us, our faith step is to show up at a retreat, and we have sensed an invitation for that, but we have been resistant, and we're not even sure why we're resistant. For some, it might be the faith step of generosity. Maybe God's been inviting you to be more generous, and you really want to be more generous, and you have a hope to be more generous, and the, the, the faith step is you just, you got to start doing it. You just have to start doing generous things at a new level. For some, it might be, I, I should be a part of a life group, or maybe I could help out with the children's ministry or the student ministry. For some of you, it might be that God is inviting you to start a business or start another business or make a strategic investment that you have been sensing it's the right thing for you to do, but you have been holding back and God's given you a sense. You've even prayed about it. For some of you, maybe it's something you've created to sell your art or something that you've done or coach a team. Maybe for some of us, the faith step is we have a hope that some of the people around us would come to Christ, but we're having such a hard time with the faith step of just sharing our own faith. These are big steps, but we all serve a God that we can trust. And then for some of us in this room, it may, it may be for the first time that you would give your life to Christ. You've been playing it safe. You were like I was for the first 18 years of your life. You would even say, I believe God, but you've never actually said, you know what? I'm going to connect my faith with what I believe. And I'm going to start leaving some things behind. I'm going to give my life to Christ today, making this decision on this day. It's going to be very clear. And that's frightening to you. And you don't want to do it if you don't do it right. And I would encourage you, when you do it, you do it full-heartedly. But God will be with you. 
You can do that as we close up the service today. You're right where you're at. You can just say, as, as we'll all pray together, you can just say, Jesus, come into my life. I accept you by faith. I believe that you are who you say you are, and I repent of my sins, and I take you into my life. I'm going to step over the, off this cliff, and I want to give my life to you clearly on this day and live in a different way from this moment on. See, there's no guarantees to any of these things. There's no guarantees to any of them. But there is this peace, faith, that is a substance that moves us to our hope. I love this quote by Erwin McManus. He said, some of us would rather choose comfort over destiny, safety over opportunity, settle for less than sacrifice more. Can we stand? So this week, as we all wrestle, I, I threw out several different thoughts on what you might be wrestling with or thinking about or considering in your heart as faith steps, but I know that there's, there's more statements than there are people in this room. So you own that, but this question is a question I want us to just be with this week and remind ourselves several times during the week. Let's read it together. What are you seeking from God that if it comes to pass, it is so beyond you and your ability alone that only God could get the credit? What is it? See, Jesus is looking at our lives he created each and every one of us to be amazing. Do you know that? We were created to be amazing. And if you want to amaze Jesus, the primary way you amaze Jesus is with your faith. He will never let you down. He will never let you down. I've never found the person that said, I stepped out in faith and Jesus let me down. So Father, right now, all around this room, we wanna be the kind of people that are moving into places where there is a requirement of our faith being employed as we move toward the hope, the prophetic things that you speak to us in our heart and in our spirit, the things we sense, the energy that we get around those things. As we employ our faith, God, we pray that miracles would be released in our lives. Let miracles be released in my friends' lives. Let the miracle of salvation happen in this room today. Let those that need to give their life to you, give their life to you, God. Let that miracle happen because that can only happen with you. That's beyond us. Let those that are having dreams and visions and hopes of, of businesses or new, uh, new places of connecting or even the faith step of letting certain things go that we know are dragging us down. I, I pray courage over all of us. And Father, uh, we lift our hands to you and we receive on this day the ability to amaze you 
And God, let us joyfully run toward that. In Jesus' name, who we give all thanks to, everyone said amen. God bless you guys. We bless you all today. We pray that as you go forth, that the work of God would be in each of us. Let us walk forth in faith today. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week, everybody.